0: Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Thank God for another season I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala Dee Here to take you on a tour of the Bible By reading entire books in the Bible Not just one scripture, full chapters And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of Scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the Scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to His Son, jesus the christ good day saints i am dr Kamla d the founding teacher of learning bible truth happy sunday today is october the twenty fourth i did share yesterday that i would um share episode 13 with you today and surprise I hope this day finds you and your family well I mean I I uh I watch the news I read a lot I uh go on social media not often I'm um the majority of the time when I'm on social media I'm on my ministry page but I will You know, glance at other stuff, and I tell you, this world is coming to an end. We have to keep ourselves separate. People need to know who Jesus is more than ever. I almost didn't share this episode today, but after going on social media and seeing the hate and the not knowing the difference between right and wrong and, you know, people living in darkness and think it's okay and think all of that is normal. It's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. And there is a difference between being normal and something being common. And and I tell you, my heart, my heart just got sad. And the Lord says, that's why you need to preach the gospel. You need to teach the gospel. You need to keep teaching who my son is. So, um... That's what my ministry is all about. It's all about telling you who the Savior really is. Because there's only one Savior, saints. So with that said, um, I will continue to teach from the NIV. I may share some scriptures from the New uh, King James or the ESV. If I do, I will tell you. However, I need to share this little disclaimer In this episode, um, I will be, and it's not intentional, it's just that, you know, during my study, I knew this was something I have to do. I will be stepping on some denominational toes, and I will be stepping on some religious toes. And at the end of the day, the truth is the truth. It's not my truth, it's Bible truth. So in any event, I hope it will bless you, because if you're listening to me, that means you are seeking truth anyway. So go to your Bibles in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 19, and I will be reading verses 34 through 36, meaning 34, 35, and 36. (laughs) I'm sorry I had to explain that, but some people be getting confused. So I am reading, and God said, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant that night. the angel of the Lord went out and put a death and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all. They were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nivea and stayed there. Now that's Second Kings uh, chapter 19 verses 34 through 36. Now the manifestation of the angel of the Lord occur in many places in the Old Testament. So in this segment of episode 13, I will be talking about Jesus being our mighty warrior. Yes, our mighty warrior. He was the mighty warrior for his people in the Old Testament. And uh, need I say, what this series is about is finding Jesus in the Old Testament. For those of you who are listening for the first time, I would hope that you will go through my podcast and find episode 1 and then catch up all the way to episode 13. We are finding Jesus in the Old Testament, which is also called the Hebrew Scriptures. Our lead scripture or foundational scripture is found in John chapter 5 verses 39 and verse 40, where Jesus is talking to some unbelieving Pharisees and Sadducees who were criticizing him for healing someone on the sabbath day and jesus told them i am the sabbath you know um basically they didn't understand what the sabbath day is it is a day of rest but if it's to benefit someone you can do whatever you want on the sabbath day and jesus said if you knew the scriptures you would know who i am he said search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but it is they they who the scriptures Who testify of me? And verse 40 says, but you will not come to me that you may have life. So what we are doing is is searching the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, finding Jesus. So in this segment, we will uh, find scriptures that support Jesus being our mighty warrior. Now, an angel of the Lord, uh, uh, it, it actually, it is in many places in the Old Testament. Okay, and y'all forgive me. I um was doing some stuff before I sat down. I was contemplating whether or not I was going to share this message cuz some things had been on my mind, but the Holy Spirit is getting me together. That's why I was a little bit um hesitant, you know, reading and and but I'm getting together. Now, so we 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 find the uh phrase um the angel of the Lord 65 times in 61 verses. So, um, we saw him speaking to Samson's mother in Judges chapter 13, the angel of the Lord we're talking about. We also saw him standing before Joshua at Jericho in chapter 54. Now, back in Exodus chapter 3, the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. Remember that we read about that in chapter 25. And in Genesis chapter 32, he wrestled with Jacob at Peniel in chapter 14. Now, we can say that the angel of the Lord was none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. Yes, we can. We can say that. You know, I called his uh, appearance a Christophany. Absolutely. That is the uh, manifestation of God. Um, Now, before... I speak of the pre-incarnate Christ slaying 185,000 soldiers in these verses that we just read. A fact that some may think that is out of character for, you know, a babe that was born in Bethlehem. Now, I want you to consider more proof that this angel was truly a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Now, two points ought to be made here. The first is that those viewing the angel of the Lord are afraid of dying. The second is that the scripture itself testifies to the angel being God. Now, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, God tells Moses in no uncertain terms that you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Now, that's in Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. We read of an encounter between... Um, Gideon, wait, let me make a correction here. That was in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. Okay. Now in Judges six verses 12 and 14, we can read read of an encounter between Gideon and the angel. Listen to this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Then in verse 14, in the same conversation, the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you?" Now, a few verses later, in twenty-two and twenty-three, when Gideon realized that it it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, "O oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face." But the Lord said to him, "Peace." Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Now this same concern about death after seeing the angel of the Lord, the actual Lord is seen in Judges chapter 13 verse 22. Samson's father said this, we are doomed to die. We have seen God. Now when Moses saw the burning bush, There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. That's Exodus 3, 2. Remember we read about that? Where we determined that Jesus is the great I am. That was in the burning bush talking to Moses. Now, immediately thereafter, we read these words. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, talking about Moses, God called to him from within the bush Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And verse six says, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now it is very clear to me That the angel of the Lord is none other than God himself in the person of the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, now finally, let's look at this uh, mighty warrior, angel who went through uh, the Assyrian camp and destroyed the army. Now he is a portrait of Jesus, not Jesus in his first appearance, Mm -mm. but in his second appearance. We read these words in Revelations chapter 19 verses, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read verses 11 through 16, but what I'm going to do is skip verse 14, okay? So I'm going to read verse 11, 12, and 13, skip 14, and then read 15 and 16, okay? Verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True with justice he judges and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows, but he himself. Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. His name is the word of God. Now we all know John, the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. That flesh is Jesus. Now let me go to uh, verse 15. One of his mouth, wait, no, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, nations, plural. He will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name, this name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to understand that whenever God is speaking in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, to his prophets or to his priest or to whomever. It is actually the pre-incarnate Christ talking. He is the word of God. So whenever God appears in the Old Testament, it's Jesus talking. You have to remember Jesus existed before the world was formed. He spoke worlds into existence. He is the son of God. He did all the work and he's still doing all the work. Okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, um, let's see. I don't want to get lost. Now let's talk about Jesus being our living redeemer, our living redeemer. Now we're going to talk about Job. Okay. I want you to go to Job chapter 19. Now, for those of you who are unaware, I um, shared a message about Job. I read um, at least 35 chapters about the story of Job, and I don't want to get into it too much because I'm going to mention something or uh, some of that uh, while we cover these scriptures. Job chapter 19, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 27. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll. This is Job talking that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my redeemer lives. This is verse uh, 25. And that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. Verse 26. And after my skin has has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Verse 27. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. I, I'm sorry, let me say that again. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. Now, the book of Job is is an ancient writing. Now, some of the um, scholars believe it is the oldest book of the Hebrew scriptures. Now, in it, we are introduced to a man who had, he had great faith. Now he, he did. He never turned his back on God. He had great faith in God. Now he is given over to Satan for scourging. Now as Satan had challenged God, that Job would actually turn his back on his children. I mean, turn his back on God. If God was to take away his children, his, his belongings, his health, his wealth, But Job had to endure all these things, plus the shallow and useless words of his friends who had falsely claimed. Now, I wouldn't actually say falsely, but they, they claimed that Job had to have committed a great sin and deserved the treatment that he was getting. But here's what most people are not getting, including some of these traditional Baptist churches, who who often quote the Book of Job, where Job said, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away." The Lord does not take anything He gives you, and God never spoke through Job. Job was saying that because he thought that the things that were happening to him was a result of God doing him something. But if you read chapters 1, 2, and 3, you will see that it was not God doing anything to Job. It was Satan. God allowed it. Yeah, he did. And most asked me when I shared that message about Job, why would God allow Job to suffer like that? Well, I will say this. I don't question God. But God does everything for a reason. And what I found in reading the entire book of Job several times is that Job really didn't know God. He believed in the true, true God, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he believed in the God who created the heavens and the earth. But he actually didn't know him. And Job had an ego problem. Yeah. He had elevated himself above God in the midst of his torture, because he was being tortured. And I felt bad for him. But if you can recall, if you have ever read the book of Job, and if you uh, go through my podcast and find uh, the story of Job, why did God allow him to suffer? That was the name of the message. You will find that Job was accusing God. He almost cursed him. He was accusing God of doing those bad things to him. And toward the end, God finally got tired of it and started speaking to Job from the cloud, sounding like a voice of thunder and saying, who is this who speaks uh, um, Who speaks of me, but not according to knowledge. And I just paraphrased there. So Job really didn't know God, but he got a chance to know God. And God blessed him, let me tell you, seven times over. Everything he lost, he got it back seven times more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, but um, it was not God making Job suffer, it was the devil. Read the scriptures, you will see it yourself. It was Satan who was attacking Job, not God. So, let's get back on track, okay? Now, we also, the words that I just read, the scriptures that I just read um, in Job 19, 23 through 27, in that context, Job longs for his Redeemer, Okay? Like Ruth, um, Job needs a kinsman redeemer. And we um, talked about kinsman redeemer yesterday in episode 12. Now in these scriptures, however, Job isn't looking for a close relative in the next country to restore him. Uh uh-uh. Rather, he is looking by faith for the living God. Job was calling out to the living God. Now I want you to notice that in the scriptures um, from Job, that Job's plea is that his words would be recorded, inscribed for all time. Yes, he did. Job also wanted his words to be the permanence and endurance of the eternal word of God. Now, Job's plea was answered. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, it was. Now, we don't know who inscribed Job's words. We don't know who the writer is of Job. Some think it's just an allegory. That it was just put in there to uh, talk about faith. No matter what you're going through, keep your uh, faith in God. That's true. No matter what you're going through, keep your faith in God. But this actually happened. There are no allegories in the Bible. Mm -mm. Nope. Now, although we don't know who wrote the book of Job, we do know that we can trust God for bringing them to us intact through the ages because it wasn't tampered with. Now... I want you to uh, think about the redeemer for whom Job was longing for. Now, first, Job's redeemer is divine. Okay, Job had lost his children. He lost his wealth. And if you listen to his wife and and so-called friends, he had lost his integrity. Now, he was a broken man the story of Job is really sad. It really is. You have to be a strong person in faith to, to literally read the book of Job. I was in shock as I studied it, you know, uh, a few years ago. I was like, oh, ooh, oh my God. He was a broken man. He was a suffering man. Now, only the living God was able to help Job. Now, second, Job's Redeemer is alive and he knew his Redeemer was alive. His God is not like Baal or, and I did mention this, I forewarned you guys that I was going to trample on some um, religious toes and some denominational toes. Right now I'm going to trample on some denominational, not denominational, some religious toes. Now he he wasn't hollering out to Baal. He wasn't hollering out to uh Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth is a Hellenized Eastern goddess that people worship in, 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 um, the Middle East, or he wasn't, uh, Ra. Ra is an Egyptian sun god where, uh, remember I, I mentioned this when, um, we were reading about, you know, Moses delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt, they, um, used to go to this place called, um, An, which is where they gathered to worship the sun god. And, uh, they called him Ra. Okay. An is the place that they gather together to worship. Or or Buddha. Now Buddha comes from uh Guatemala, um India. Okay. It's an it's an Indian God. Now let me let me say this. We not Indian, you know what I mean. Um in India, that is the God who they worship. We don't have a different God for every ethnicity, and y'all need to understand that. We don't, and and of course, Allah. Allah is uh, Arabic for God. It's a moon God. If you, you notice the symbols on their, um, uh, what they call their their, their uh, places, their mosque, uh, mosque or whatever they call these places, uh, the temple. Um, they have a moon on there, half a moon and stars around it. They worship a moon God. But here's the thing. The God who created the heavens and the earth also created the sun, the moon and the stars. And that God is Jesus. Jehovah. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew name for God is Yahweh. Jehovah represents the many characteristics of God. So that's who Jesus is. He represents the many characteristics of of God. And the name Jesus means Jehovah has become our salvation. Now, I would hope that's not too bad. And I want y'all to know this uh, about me. I don't attack the people. I attack the religion because the religion is what is destroying people not the people I have love for all mankind I live around Muslims I live around Catholics I live around Baptists I work around all all mankind and there's only one race the human race all these ethnicities just represent where you are from but you are from we are human beings there are only one kind of human beings you know so um I have a love for man And I think truly that man have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. My job is to share that knowledge with you in such a way that I don't complicate it so that God can give you the understanding. And he will give you the understanding based on your heart. And if you're listening to me, your heart is right. You're trying to learn the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now these idol gods or these pagan gods that I just mentioned, Job wasn't talking to any of them because they are dead figments of the human imagination, and, and that's what they are. Job's God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, and um, the book of Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews, tells us Jesus is the one who is sustaining the universe. Absolutely. Now he is the God who is the great I am, the God who was in the burning bush, talking to Moses. Now job's God. Is, is the omniscient and the omnipotent Savoyan ruler of his creation. Yes. And third, I want to say this, Job's Redeemer is personal. He is not some ethereal spiritual being who is unknowable or unreachable. Job's Redeemer is not so much a part a part of every rock and every tree and bird that he had no interest in Job's situation no this this God, this being supreme being cared about Job, and um, he is not someone who cannot communicate with Job now, hearing his longings, yes, God heard job's cries, and he heard job's prayers because that's why they say Job was a great man of faith because Job continuously prayed to God, but his prayers wasn't right, he wasn't saying the right things. Read what Job was saying. Don't you repeat those things because Job suffered longer than what he should have. Yes, he did. He suffered longer than what he should have. Now, Job's God is both transcendent above his creation, yet personally involved in it. And finally, by the eye of faith, Job sees his Redeemer with an actual body. But, you know, often somebody will say God has no body. God is a spirit. Now that is true. God is a spirit, but God also has a body. But Job says this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. Job says that he will see God face to face. Job longed for what we Christians long for, the beatific vision of God. Now John speaks of this vision in 1 John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. Listen, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, Job's redeemer is the same as yours and mine. Yes, yes, he is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, who will one day stand again on the surface of this planet, recognized as Job's redeemer. Now Paul writes these words in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verses 16 and 17. He says this: "For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, before I read verse seventeen, let me let me explain this. Now, right here, we are talking about the rapture. Mm-hmm. They have some people, some religions that will teach you there is no rapture. The rap, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well. Um, Uh, Here it is right here. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, verse 16. Let me read it again. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen to verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever, or your version may say, and so we may, we will forever be with the Lord. Now, the word rapture means to be caught up. Now, the best version when this was translated to English is after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will forever be with the Lord. So you can't be lost and saved. We will forever be with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Some of this stuff, if you try to understand it with your own mind, your carnal mind, you won't be able to do it. You have to be in the spirit to understand this. This makes perfect sense to me. Because I allow the Holy Spirit to teach me. And if you just listen to it with your carnal mind, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we are to lean not on our own understanding. Now... This is a very, uh, two very powerful verses. Now, it's talking about, let's say, um, where it says, verse 17, we who are still alive. That is, if God decides to destroy this planet today, we who are still alive will be caught up in the air with him. So we'll just be shot up in the air with the Lord. That's the rapture. Caught up means rapture. Rapture means caught up. So those who say, well, the word rapture not in the Bible. Okay, here you go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. We who are still alive will be caught up. That is if it happens today. We are still living. But those for those who have already passed away, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. That is our mamas, our daddies, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, the um, prophets of old who have already passed away. They will rise first because right now they are in Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there are some powerful scriptures in Matthews. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to share this with you that will tell you when Christ rose from the dead, the prophets of old who died, they rose with him. It's written in the Bible in Matthew. They rose with him. So right now they're in the bosom of Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They weren't present with the Lord in the Old Testament days because Christ had not created heaven yet. They were resting in the bosom of Abraham. That's where they were. So Abraham, along with the the prophets of old, the men of great faith, all of those who died um, and who were declared righteous by God because of their faith, King David, they rose with Christ when he rose from the dead. After he died on the cross and was buried for three days and three nights. When he got up, those who were dead, they got up. So they are in Christ right now. So if we pass away today, we go directly to heaven with with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay. Now, that's like I said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Now, um, I, I do want to move forward because I, I kind of strayed away a little bit talking about something else, but we're going to talk about how Jesus is a tree planted by streams or rivers of living water, okay? So we're going to go on over to Psalms, Psalms one, Psalms one, okay? blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, or either scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Do you understand that? So just going to church, let me finish this before I uh, start talking about that, that verse, this last verse here. Okay. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, when this this verse before this one that I just read says, "Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous." Just going to somebody's church just showing up because it makes you feel good that you went can't save you. Jesus does. And you are not declared righteous unless you are in Christ, cuz Christ is the righteous one. When when God sees us, he actually sees Christ. He can't look at us, we are sinners we are sinners. We are only declared righteous in Christ. So those of you who are trying to create your own righteousness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are spiritually disconnected from God. So that is the problem I have with religion and denominations because they are telling you, you have to do these certain things. And that's not true. You can't do anything to please God other than accept his son, other than hold to the testimony of Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the testimony of Jesus that you have to have. That's the only way you can please God. Because once you do that, you are born again. You are ushered into the kingdom of God. And then you start growing in faith. Start renewing your mind with the word of God. But just because you go to church, and this right here should tell you right here, those uh, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, you can't just go in there thinking you saved because you show up to somebody's uh, congregation every Sunday. No, you have to know the true and living God. Hallelujah. And I'm saying that with love. It is the truth, Jesus said, knowing the truth that set man free. So that was some truth there. I didn't mean to go that far, but when the Holy Spirit tells me to keep going, uh, I keep going. Now, if you are familiar with the book of Proverbs, this first Psalm is similar to many verses in that book. It contains what is called antithetical parallelism. Now, that's a fancy term that simply means uh, the psalm portrays a contrast between two types of people, the righteous and the wicked. Now, in Proverbs or the Bible, you won't find any semi-righteous or kind of, sort of being wicked people, either one or the other. Only two camps exist, the righteous and the wicked. Only two. You can't be half righteous and half wicked. Now, all men and women by virtue of their being in Adam, begins their life and is born in the camp of the wicked. We are all born into sin because of Adam. Now, Romans chapter 5, 19 says that. Now, some remain there forever. And when I say some remain there, I'm talking about the camp of the wicked. Some just going to stay there. There are some people that just can't be saved. Now, here's the kicker. Yes, I made that bold statement. I just don't know who they are. But there are some, because not everyone is going to be saved. God can save anyone. And it is his will that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. And that truth is in his son. That's his will. But God cannot force you to come and he will not. So let me retract that. He can force you, but he's not. We are free uh, free will living agents. And God doesn't force us to do anything. There could be no such thing as judgment if he forced us to do something. So you have to freely choose the Lord. Just like your boy says in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And that's on my wall in my living room. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have to choose whom we will serve. Now, only one man was ever born righteous. And y'all know who that is. Only one lived a perfect righteous life. His name is Jesus. He is the God man. Now, those who join him in the righteous camp are his invited ones. Yes, we are all given an invitation, but chosen not because that we were righteous in any way, but because we were wicked in every way and needed a savior. That's That's why we went after we were invited. Now, the first two Psalms serve as an introduction to the book of Psalms. Now, they provide, excuse me, they provide keys to the rest of the book. It is a book principally about Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's what the book of Psalms is about. So if you have any Muslims or uh, or people who uh, follow Buddha who are quoting from the Old Testament, because often these different religions do, they are quoting scriptures about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Like I said before, now these, uh, the book of Psalms, they provide keys to the rest of the book. Yeah, it is a book that is about Jesus Christ and his righteousness, about his offices as prophet, priest, and king. Now, I mentioned this before, only Jesus and Moses held those three offices uh, the office of prophet, priest, and king. Now, the prophet was the mediator between God and the people. Now the priest was he offered the atonement, the, um, the blood sacrifice of animals uh, for the people, for their sins. And as king, the king's responsibility is to provide the needs of the people to the people. That's what those three offices are, and only Jesus and Moses held those three offices. And about his church and his kingdom, kingdom, the book of Songs is um, really. Uh, about you know the prayer of the church and and the songs of the church if you you notice what the choir be singing there are really um songs written from the book of songs that David wrote now the first psalm starts with the words blessed is the man now does that sound familiar to you is it a a a simple indicative statement that reminds us of Jesus Uh uh-huh his uh His beatitudes of of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 and 12. Now, it isn't a subjunctive phrase that might be saying, if you'll do these things, you will be blessed. Neither is it an an, an, uh, imperative that commands us to do these things or else. It is a simple declarative statement telling us what is true. Now, who is this man? Of course, he is our Lord. But he is also everyone who has come to him in simple childlike faith, trusting in Jesus's provision for his every need. Now, we are only joined to the righteous camp by faith in the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and from all of our sins and in no other way. No other way. Now, we who are in Christ are blessed men and women because of who we are in Christ We will delight in his word, summarized in verse 2 by the law. We will avoid the counsel of the wicked, trusting rather in the counsel of Christ's word. We are firmly planted in Christ like a tree. Jesus compared the righteous and the wicked in Matthew 7 verses uh, 17 through 20. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And I was talking about this earlier. You can't be half righteous and half wicked. You either one or the other. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We should know who is not in Christ. By their behavior. I heard some false teachers say, well, you can't tell if somebody saved or not by just because how they live. And yes, you can. Jesus said, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's talking about the end. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I had to take a drink of tea after that. Yeah, by their fruit. By what comes out of their mouth and by their, their their actions, yeah. And I see a lot of it just circulating on social media. The addiction to social media, I see. I mean, people who claiming to be Christians just just addicted. They have to take a picture of themselves every day and just post it. They have to, and they don't realize that that's their god. Social media. You take away social media, those people will be in another house. Psychiatrists will be over flooded. Just like the emergency room overflooded with COVID-19, when we had that second surge, third surge and the fourth uh, surge overflooded with uh, COVID-19 patients, psychiatrists will be overflooded with people losing their minds if they shut down social media. Unbelievable. I- I'll never understand it. I-, I just I can't get into it. Now let me continue. Uh, any fruit we bear is because we are attached to the root. Okay. The root is Jesus. Now, John 15, five says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. The branches are us. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Now I want you to notice the qualified. It says, if a man remains in me and I in him, so that can just, you know, Knock down anybody who's saying it's impossible because one of my favorite bishops says it. It's impossible for you to leave Christ once you are in Christ. No, Christ will never throw you out, but you can leave. Right here, Christ says, if you remain in me, my God, if you remain in me and I in you, he will bear much fruit. Now he's talking about bearing good fruit. You will bear a lot of good fruit. Okay. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Whatever we do will prosper. I want you to understand that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. All things, God works for good for those who love him, who love him. We can't leave that out. We have to love him. And what Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, who have been called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah so not so the wicked. Uh Uh-uh. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Now John the Baptist spoke of Jesus in his role as judge. His winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's in Luke chapter 3 verse 17. And again we see the two camps. Now, this time they are spoken of as wheat and chaff. Now, we are not in the wheat camp by what we do, okay? We are there only by the grace of God operating in the world effectually through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the medium of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is how ignorant some people are. i seen somebody post on Facebook because they didn't want to take the vaccine and let me tell you something. You don't have to take the vaccine. There ain't nothing written nowhere where you got to take the vaccine. But here's the thing. There are consequences. Um, if your job is requiring, you, requiring that you take the vaccine and you refuse to take it or lose your job, well, then you lose your job. But you still have a right not to take the vaccine. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. I got fully vaccinated when the vaccine first came out. I'm fine. So, and I've been around people with COVID. and I still didn't catch it. But if I do catch it, because I have the vaccine my faith is not in the vaccine my faith is in God and his healing power but it's okay to take the vaccine if you look I'm not listening to the conspiracy theorists I listen to the experts and I go to God first if God say hey it's okay to take it that's fine because Jesus said the sick need a physician he was referring to himself as the physician when he was talking to these unbelieving scribes Pharisees and Sadducees but They understood what he was saying when he said a physician because they had physicians back then. He said, you know, in other words, doesn't the sick need a physician? Okay, I'm sitting with the sick. So, look, I heard this guy say, because he didn't want to take the vaccine, he said, yeah, now, you know, we separating the the, the sheep from the goat. Where's that scripture? Well, that doesn't have anything to do with vaccine taking. Now, he was called himself um, quoting the scripture. Now, you see, it's out there, saints. People just following every wind of doctrine. Not taking the vaccine has nothing to do with separating the sheep from the goat. We're talking about who believe in Christ and who don't. Christ ain't in a vaccine, but Christ is our healer. Hallelujah. Christ is our healer. Now, let's talk about Christ being the anointed son of God. S-O-N, not S-U-N. Now, and we're still in Psalms, by the way. Yes, the writings of King David, Psalms 2. Now I am reading, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned. You rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, S-O-N, not S-U-N, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's Psalms 2, verses 6 through 12. Read them, Saints. Now, the first three verses of Psalm shown us the world's adverse reaction to the Holy God and to his anointed one. Now, unless God changes our hearts in the new birth, us sinners want no part of God who sees and will judge our evil deeds. And you gotta also remember the word of God says that man hates light, man loves darkness. And the reason he hates light, it's because the light exposes what, what is going on in the darkness. Now, kings and rulers also gather against the one true God. You know what that power? We have seen it in America where they were willing to kill, overthrow an entire government to stay in office. Conjured up a lie saying there was there was fraud. He was saying there was fraud before the election even started. If I lose, it's because the election was rigged. No, it's not. It's because we had some people saying, Lord, this man is leading this world to, to hell. Even though it's going to hell, going, you know, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. But this man was tearing apart this world all because he wanted to make sure his billionaire, trillionaire friend stayed rich and that he got richer than what he already is. It was all about the money breaking the law as soon as he got in office, violating the constitution, which is supposed to keep that office sacred. The office of the presidency of the United States supposed to be sacred, breaking the law. And some of those demons who were supporting him are still in the Senate and in Congress. Unbelievable. I can go on that all day and show you scripture to support everything I say, but I don't want to get off track here. So we already talked about the first three verses of Psalms show us the world's adverse reaction to the holy God and to his anointed one. So let's talk about kings and rulers also gathered uh, against the one and true God. Now we saw it, it in Jesus's day with the Herods and the Caesars. We see it in our day throughout the world as many world leaders reject God. Yes, they do. It's it's all about them. They got, they are the God of, of, of their nations. You know, it's not about the God who created the heavens and the earth, but the Lord in heaven, he laughs at them. Yes, he does. He knows that the wicked know the truth about him. The wicked do know that there is a God, but the wicked what they do, they know the truth about God. But Romans chapter one, verses 18 and 20 says, but they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. They suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. Now, God created these positions. Let's not get it twisted. He created the positions in government but it's the people who are putting and electing the wrong people to be there. But let me tell you, when we have someone in office that is really suppressing God's people, God will remove them. Yes, he will. Even if he have to have them drop dead. So keep fighting to get back in an office that, that is not for you. And let me tell you, your arms are too short to box with God. And whoever is listening, you could take that for whatever is worth. Your arms are too short to box with God. I don't care what president you are, what king you are. You can't box with God. Okay. Now, let's look at um, how God had installed uh, his king on Zion, Jesus. Now, the king of the Jews, because that's who Jesus is, but he is also our king. Hallelujah. Now, when Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? He asked Jesus this. Jesus responded, yes. Yes it is as you say. That's in Mark 15 verse 2. Now his is an eternal kingdom and he rules today over his creation. Hebrews 1, 2 and verse 8 tells us that. Now we have some people that claim that this portion of Psalms had its fulfillment in King David. They claimed that the ultimate fulfillment was in King David. Boy, I tell you, when you cannot rightly divide, David was talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus. He was not talking about himself. And they said that David fulfilled uh, these scriptures and not Jesus Christ. Now, while rejecting this view, we must also be aware that David's life foreshadowed that of Jesus. Okay, And much of this psalm and others had a partial fulfillment during his leadership of Israel during David's leadership of Israel, but only Jesus's kingdom stretches to the ends of the earth. Now the writer to the Hebrews makes it clear that the son, S-O-N, not S-U-N, in verse 7 of our subject text is the Lord Jesus. Now he quotes in Psalms 2-7 um, in 1-5 saying, for to which of the angels now, the writer to the Hebrews was actually quoting Psalms two seven. He's and and he says this. For which of the angels did God ever say, "You are my son"? Today I have become your father. Now, in Luke's Gospel, we we read these words spoken to Mary by the by the angel, Luke chapter one verse thirty one um, through thirty three. I'm sorry, verses thirty one through thirty three. You know, I'm getting tired. I gotta hurry up and finish this. You will be with child. This is the angel talking to Mary and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, how are uh, Muslims missing these scriptures? They said God couldn't have a son. Okay. This is the angel talking to Mary. So the angel that Muhammad put, put in his, his, uh, book he wrote called the Quran, y'all believe in him, but the angel can't talk to Mary. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. There are scriptures that back up everything that that David said in Psalms and that the prophets of old said about the coming of the Messiah. We have scriptures that back it up that Jesus was the one who they were talking about. Okay. Now, while David was uh, was also a son of God, you know, not a virgin born, as are all who have come to Christ in saving faith, Galatians 3, 26, only one son, the Lord Jesus is the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. That's in John 1, 14. Now, verse eight of our subject verses says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Now in John chapter 17, verses four through 24, his great high priestly prayer for the church, Jesus claims that inheritance. Uh huh. Now, in over 2,000 years since his resurrection, people of all families, tribes, and nations have become his inheritance. Now, more than that, he has inherited all things. He rules the nations with an iron scepter. We only see him now through the eye of faith. But one day, he, Christ, will come again and will dash them to pieces like pottery. That's Revelation chapter 2 verse 27 and chapter 12 verse 5. Now finally in verses 10 through 12 of Psalms 2, the king and rulers of the earth are warned to serve the Lord with fear and to kiss the son lest he be angry. Now it is a warning to obey him before it is too late. Like I always say, salvation is today. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Our Lord Jesus came to this earth as a little helpless child, but he will one day return in great power. Jesus speaks of that day in Mark chapter 13, verse 26. At that time, men will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Hallelujah. At that time when he returns. Now for those with whom Christ is angry in that day, Only doom and destruction awaits them. But for those who have simply clung to him by faith, Psalms 2 closes with this benediction. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. We are talking about the Messiah. Now we're going to talk about Jesus being the son of man and then we're going to go on and close on out, okay? Now uh, we're going to move to Psalms 8. Let me read. Our Lord, our Lord. David says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, but they have people separately uh, worshiping the moon, the God who created the moon, uh, the stars, the God who created the sun, and Jesus created all of them. Um, the son of man that you care for him. Let me read that so where you can understand it again, okay? When I consider your your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings or the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. So when I said I was going to talk about some denominations, Jehovah's Witnesses now, let me finish this before I get on them. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flock and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, of course, we know King David was talking about the Messiah. Now, the phrase, Son of Man, it occurs in 106, uh, let me see, I think it occurs 106 times in the Bible, 100 times in the Old Testament, 92 of those which are in Ezekiel, who is the prophet who speaks of the end times, and 86 times in the New Testament. Now, this is the first time the phrase occurs in the Bible. Now, of the places we see in the New Testament, 82 times it is used by Jesus to describe himself. Now, for instance, the first place we see the phrase is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, where Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And again, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, this conversation occurred. Some men brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, now, you know, if he see your faith, you got to be doing something, honey, let him know that you believe in him. Now, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus read minds. He knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, "Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts?" He knew they were evil. That's why he wastes time sharing the uh, word with them. Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now then, he said to the paralytic, "Get up." Take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. Now, by claiming to have authority to forgive sins, Jesus was claiming to be God incarnate, cause only God can forgive sins. Now, here he gave them little little tiplets. Okay. Now, the title "Son of Man" is by far Jesus's favorite title for himself. But why? Why? Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't "Son of God" be more appropriate? Perhaps the writer to the Hebrews can can answer that question for us. He says in chapter 2 verses 5 through 9 um quoting our subject verses, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God let nothing that is not subject to him. Wait, let me read that again. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now, I've been bold in the quote from Psalms 8, 4, and 5. Now, many heretics, including the Jehovah's Witnesses, through the centuries have used these verses along with Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 in an attempt to prove that Jesus wasn't equal with God. These two little verses now but merely he's just an angel, you know, or, or, or an angelic being, they would say, or a demigod. That's what they would say based on these scriptures, because they don't know what these scriptures mean. But we need to understand Jesus is becoming lower than the angels, because that's what the Jehovah's Witness hinged their um, uh, belief on, that Jesus was not God. Just on this, That he was made Lord in the angels. So why is it they don't understand what that means? But I do. And a lot of other gods ministers do. Because the Holy Spirit not in them to guide them. Their hearts are wrong. Only during the limited time that he became a man in his incarnation. Now listen to this. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Hebrews 2.17 clarifies this in saying this. For this reason, this is why I am answering the Jehovah's Witnesses now that are listening to me why Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. Listen, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Did y'all hear that? In other words, Jesus had to become a real human being in order to shed his real human blood so that he is both son and man and son of God. Jesus is the God man because he could not have fulfilled his mission without putting on flesh. The difference is the flesh. He was made Lord and the angels because the angels don't have flesh. We, J- Jesus was given flesh like us so that let me read it again. Hebrews 2, 17, for this reason, he was made Lord of the angels now. He had to be made like his brothers, meaning put it on flesh in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He couldn't feel pain. He couldn't understand us if he didn't have flesh, which is why he had to enter this world through human flesh, Mary's but not the seed of a man. Joseph was Jesus's stepfather. He was mo he was um Mary's husband but not Jesus's father. God impregnated uh, Mary. He had real flesh. Let me say this again. He had to become a real human in order to shed his real human blood so he is both son of man and son of God. Yes, Jesus is the God man. Now, one other brief comment in Psalms uh, 8, 2, which reads this. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Now, praised by the little children in the temple, Jesus applied this verse to himself in Matthew 21, 16, as the religious leaders confront him. Let me go to uh, Matthew 21, 16 and read this, and that's going to be the end today. Hold on. I am reading this from the new King James. Okay. I'm reading Matthew 21 verse 16 and, and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will leave y'all with that scripture. Saints. Even though we are over our hour, I will never, ever finish an episode without extending the invitation for those of you who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who do not know our Messiah, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. It is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised to you, saints. So all you have to do um, is go to Romans chapter 10, verses nine through 10, and you can read verse 11 to sum up nine and 10. However, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is it. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That makes him Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him dead, meaning that you believe he is seated at God's right hand. He is God's right hand man. You are saved. You don't have to jump through no hoops. You don't have to do no backflips. You don't have to stand on no corner and sell pamphlets. You don't have to pray five times a day these same prayers over and over to be reconciled to God. You develop a relationship with God through his son Jesus by reading his word. Join a faith-based teaching church. Tell them that you have already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you believe he is alive today and you need to be baptized. Baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you need to follow him in water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save. However, we need to be obedient and we need to follow the Lord Jesus in water baptism. So saints, until next time, I guess we will do uh, episode 14 and 15 next weekend. I want you to treat everybody with dignity Uh, compassion and respect. We don't know what people are going through. People need a savior and um, walk in love. Be the light that Christ wants us to be. No matter what, no matter what you share with someone, if you disagree with someone, make sure that your opinion have some love behind it. And and if it doesn't, you just don't need to say anything. But until next weekend, saints, peace out. I love you. you were enlightened by this message if you have any questions or comments about this particular episode please send your questions or comments to truth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts Anchor, Spotify Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.